West Lab Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz-Scouspell. Well, um, as we were previewing this game, I know we all sort of were very confident going in. Um, but we all, you know, I, I think had some level of, of reserve. I mean, none of us were like absolutely sure we were going to win that game. I mean, we were all positive. We were all optimistic. Um, but ugh, losing 17 to 7 and like, okay, th- there's a lot to, there's a lot to break down. There's a lot to digest. We're recording this, uh, on Sunday night. Um, you know, 24 hours, 25 hours after the game is over. Um, lot, lot to digest, lot to break down. Um, you know, initial impressions. I, I think, I think the the quarterback situation we have to talk about first. I mean, before before we dive into how Hunter played, how T, like first of all, you know, you never want to see a guy go down to injury. TJ Green uh, probably gone for the year. You know, with with a what looked like a freak injury, uh, had to have foot surgery that night. Um, Definitely sucks to have that. It it did it does clear things up moving forward a little bit. And this is the and again, it's because I think we're going to come back to that eventually. And and I think in the time since this game, and of course we're all Northwestern fans, we're all pissed off about this game, obviously for multiple reasons. Okay, but I found myself particularly mad. Um, uh, for a specific reason, and I think we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of circle back to this. It's really important to say, and you alluded to it, Sammy, right off the top. The TJ Green in the time he was in this game um, played, did everything he was supposed to do. He played heady football. Um, he left the pocket when he should have left the pocket. He completed the passes basically that he was asked to complete, and he moved the team down the field. Um, and that's all in a way of saying that we're about to spend a lot of time explaining um, what I think we agree is a really poor decision that the Northwestern coaching staff made in this game that had a major impact on the game. And because we're about to go in this direction, it's important to say out front that, like like you said, we feel awful for TJ Green, a guy who did everything he was supposed to do um, during this game. Uh, uh, and. Uh. I'll take Go, it one and, step. Yeah. I'll take it one step further. I I think, and you know, we had some some email back and forth with um, Jay from you know uh, formerly of Lake the Post. Uh, ah, you know, he's still I, of Lake the Post. I, mean. I guess still of Lake the Post, right? Couple couple weeks back, where he even kind of you know he was he was talking about this QB controversy and the whole the whole secrecy thing and saying as you know what we were all saying, right? This is what Fitz does. He's, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to show his cards. He doesn't he hates this aspect of, you know, the media scrutiny on the decisions that he wants to make or who might be injured or who might be playing, yada yada yada. It's very much a redux of last year, right, with with Thorson and, and TJ and the injury and everything. Um but one of the things Jay mentioned in an email to uh to a group of Northwestern fans was the idea that By playing both of these guys, grooming both these guys as a potential starter, you have taken away a lot of potential first-team reps from one of them. And I think that 
hurt Hunter Johnson in this game. I think he was so clearly not ready for the speed of uh, and the decision-making of a live game. That is certainly what you expect of any player that has not played for two years. Um, so, like, I, can we, like, I think Teddy Greenstein tweeted this. Can we just have open practices? Like, come on, Fitz. Go the Pete Carroll route. It surely... I'm censoring myself. It did not work this time around. It, it, it didn't uh, just really cut last, it out. It didn't work last time. I mean, every time he does this, yeah, true. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. I mean, David Shaw came out after the game and said, "We didn't even care who started with him. We were worried about us." And it's like, I. It's more of a distraction playing this cat and mouse, you know, 007 nonsense. Like that creates more of a distraction than had Fitz just come out and said. You know, Hunter's going to start. TJ's going to going to get some run, but you know we're we're going to give we're going to give it to Hunter and like give let him have all of the first team reps and and let TJ come in for when you need the change of pace when like the situation dictated you needed more of a heady um, you know scheme to come in. I mean, I think when he came in and like the, if- the team like immediately they started moving the ball down the field. I, that was a, a injection of momentum that I think the team needed, but you know you don't. We're gonna get. Yeah, we're gonna get. There. We'll get there. Um, so here, here's the thing, and that is, and I think this is something that Scuzz and I have watched all the film on this, and we've been talking, and the that moment, and again, all credit to TJ Green for doing what he wanted to do, was a colossal mistake that there are several things that had we not done them in this game tackling which we'll get to later on would have won us this game this was one of the things that had we not done it we probably win this game and I think there are a couple ways to go at this but I know and and there's some stats that back this up and Scuzz you know we'll talk about it too that if you watched Hunter Johnson play in this game you may have a view in your head that Hunter Johnson was not throwing a particularly accurate ball in this game. And there were certainly some plays that he overthrew some guys. But I would warrant, if you have one particular play in your head, it is the play um, in the second half where Drake Anderson went out into the flats, was wide open, and Hunter Johnson threw it high and threw it over the top of his head. And had that been a completion... Drake would have had at least 15 yards and possibly a touchdown. That is an important play. I want you to keep that play in your mind, okay? The start of this game, Hunter Johnson's first possession of the game. He comes out. He throws, uh, what does he throw? I think an incomplete pass to he, start the game. He, he, he hands off to Bowser oh, for He hands off to Bowser on the, first, uh, on the first play. The second play, Scuzz and I are a little, you know... It's a little up in the air whether it was a design rollout or if he he flushed right a little early or a combination of the two. But either way, he rolled right. There was nothing out there. There were just two receivers and about five defenders, and he threw it out of bounds. Fine. Good decision. Um, and, yeah, good decision. We punted. No, 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 no. I mean, no, 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 no. We did not, no, no, we did not punt. Yeah, third, next, third ne- play, the next, we, we the run next a sh- play. We run Burke, a short right. stick route to Berkeley Holman. Right. And he throws it. Yeah, he, we do not punt. He throws it high. Um, the re- Holman Hol- gets Holman interfered gets, with. Gets interfered with, pushed in the back. It was a little high. Holman is a slight 
of stature guy. Skoranek makes that catch regardless. He threw it high. He threw it a little high and a little hard. It's still quite possibly a catch if Holman's not pushed in the back. It's worth noting that Hunter drew a pass interference pass uh, call on that exact same route later in the game where the guy interfered with him again and the officials called it. And that, I think, was on Riley Lee's. So, hey, then, uh, so r- real quick interjection here. Do you yes. guys remember the first pass that Clayton Thorson threw against Stanford in 2015? I, no. I do not. He threw it over the middle directly at a linebacker, but he right. threw it so hard that the linebacker had no chance to react and it caromed off the linebacker's helmet and went incomplete. <laughs> right. So <laughs> this, let's, this is, this yeah. is the life when you're putting a new quarterback right. out on right. the field. Exactly. New quarterback. Right. So now Clint, uh, Stanford gets the ball long drive. We get the ball back. Hunter Johnson's no, second. Th- their, their first drive, their, their second drive after the interception was a three and out. Yeah. Right. Short. Well, that's right. Short drive. Hunter gets the ball back. He, what, I think hands off again. Yep. Throws his first completion of the game. Short, to Riley out, Lees. short out to Lees. To Lees. And then show, uh, throws out into Adebo land uh, into tight coverage. Uh, again, again, high. Targeted at Kyrick McGowan. Right. Um, incomplete pass. Okay. Now, he's one of three at this point. One of those passes was an interference play um, that should have been called. The next time he gets the ball back, which is after the Stanford touchdown drive, I believe. Is that correct? Mm. Uh, or is it? No, 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 that's no. When it was, it was an yeah. 8, not, eight minute, 40 right. second, 11 play, 47 so, yard drive that ended with right, a yet, Right, that's right. He gets the ball back, does not throw a pass on this drive, but runs very effectively on, on plays that, and we're going to get to this later too, Mick McCall called pretty well, calls a good, like a good drive. Drake Anderson chips in with a nice six yard run. Hunter gets a first down. Then they get nine more yards after getting the first down into a third and one. In the third and one, and Scuzz, you talked about this, third and a long one. We ran a play that, thanks to Clayton Thorson and his enormous body, was pretty effective for us last year. The straight sneak. Unfortunately, Hunter Johnson is two inches shorter and 15 pounds lighter than Clayton Thorson. Right. Uh, and, and our left guard got destroyed by whoever their right end was. Um, that individual played a very, very good game for Stanford. Yes. So that play was blown up, drive over, punt. The next pass Hunter Johnson will throw in this game is the pass over Drake Anderson's play, over Drake Anderson's head. More than a full quarter later. And, and when that, you add in halftime, I mean, you're, you're talking like at least 45 minutes of actual play, of actual time between throwing a pass. Any benefits you've gotten from his reps up to this point, you just erase them. You just, just blow them into the wind. They're gone. You are starting from page one again. Had that happened in a vacuum, that would be one thing. But... The idea, and Sam pointed it out, and again, we said off the top, TJ did everything he was supposed to do. What he was supposed to do was run a two-minute offense at tempo into soft coverage. He threw a quick slant to Ben Skoranek on target completion, threw two sub-five-yard crosses 
completions, put them right where they were supposed to be. Okay. And we started moving the ball down the field. He ran on a couple plays, knew when to get outside the pocket. That's great. It should be pointed out that Hunter also ran fantastically in this game. Um, and he moved the ball down the field. And here's the problem that you talked about when you talked about what Jay said in those emails weeks back, which is, that's great. You're moving the ball, but you took those completions right out of Hunter's hands and you put them into TJ Green's hands. And Instead, you've got Hunter just sitting, getting frosty. And you're also missing out on some good offensive line play. And again, not to take anything away from Green. He did everything he was supposed to do and was the quarterback for two great drives. And that play that he fumbled on was a freak injury. By the time the ball came out, he was concussed before he ever got hurt in his leg. Um, and that's when the ball came out. It's brutal. It's a brutal freak injury. He was on the field as the quarterback for that drive, and that drive should have ended in points. It had it was a freak thing through no fault of him. We should have got at least three points out of that drive. But like you said, add in halftime, and he's not on the field for so long. And then Scuzz, I think you talked about – well, yeah. go ahead. What were you so, going to say? So compounding the issue, the tackling woes on defense allowed you know two eight-minute-plus drives from Stanford during that same period of time. The result of that is that Northwestern possessed the ball only four times in the entire first half. And I went and dug around amongst a number of other games that happened this opening weekend of college football that featured a, uh, in, in all four of these cases, a freshman QB. Now, I know Hunter's not a freshman, but still, he hasn't played in two years. He played very sparingly as, sparingly as a freshman. This is effectively his first, you know, true college experience. This is probably a tougher opponent than he's faced uh, ever before in college, for sure, but... These four other situations where freshman QBs had seven or eight possessions each in the first half. So Nevada, seven first half possessions. Did not look good. Getting crushed by Purdue. Second half, QB finds his feet, starts to do well. They come back and win. Auburn, Bo Nix, looked abjectly horrible in the first half against Oregon. Frankly, in the third quarter as well. Seven first half possessions. By the time they get to the fourth quarter, he's feeling good. Comeback win. Boise State. And that game looks like it's over at half, or even in the second quarter. Florida State's back. They're, Boise State's done. Dude finds his legs. Eight first-half possessions in that game. Finds his leg in the second half. Gets it done. They win. North Carolina. They only had five first-half possessions, but when you dig it, when you dig into what happened with their QB, their freshman QB, he got good after his eighth possession. They end up winning, beating South Carolina, come back, coming back. Hunter Johnson's seventh possession in this game was the one that he drove Northwestern for a touchdown. We only got two more after that. The swap out for TJ plus the defensive tackling woes. And believe me, I know, defense is not the reason we lost this game, but it contributed, and the defense underplayed their expectations my expectations certainly those two factors and and all of those lost reps in preseason I mean to me that's the killer we did not give Hunter a chance to find his legs on the field and and if we if we had if we put him back out there for those last two possessions if Northwestern had gotten a couple more in the first half six possessions even I think I think the second half is a different story John, I agree with your assessment. You said this earlier in text today that if Hunter had played wire to wire, we'd probably win this game. 
Yeah, and I think about I think too about again we talked about the the pass where he overthrew Jake Anderson, right? And that pass that drive eventually we thought it was still going to be three points. Kubander missed the field goal, um, but on third down, you know there was a breakdown in coverage and he had to roll out right and throw it away. The drive after that, he made his worst play of the game, yep. and I'm not talking about the interception to Paulson Adebo. I'm talking about the play immediately before that, where with basically a full play cock, he got a delay of game penalty because I don't think he had a great idea of exactly what the time and what the time was, and that play forced a third and long that forced that play that led to him forcing it into the interception. Great play by Adebo. He forced it into tight coverage. Um, but can, can I emphasize those other four games I mentioned, those other four freshman QBs all made horrible mistakes in the first half, every right. single and, one of them. And, and again, it was, that was, he was so frosty at that point and had been mentioned. And from that point on, I want, if, if you can go back, you can go back and look at the highlights if you want to. Okay. Or, but you can also just trust us. The next pass Hunter Johnson through. Keep in mind, the last two plays on the field for this kid are a brutal clock error that lead to a five-yard penalty and then an interception to Paulson Adebo. The next pass he throws is a sprint pass rolling to his non-throwing side at top speed, after which point he plants and throws a bullet to Ben Skoranek. The play after that is hits, screen hits pass. him in stride coming across it, the middle, right? Wow. In stride, wowza! Play and then play after that was a screen pass to Moten for like another fifteen yards, mm-hmm. um, and then and again and I was that the play was that the drive where we had the holding penalty that shut it down? Um, um, there was one, we no, I don't believe so. That was I think that was a couple drives later. Um, uh, this one I, on third down, it was the first time all game I'd seen Hunter Johnson step up in the pocket. He was finally feeling comfortable in the pocket. He stepped up, and uh, I think our either our, our I think our right guard had lost uh, control of his man, and Hunter was like, "Oh God!" and threw it up, threw the ball away. Rightly so. Right, right, and that was so. The other thing too, so it, it bears mentioning that Hunter got better as the game went on. Dramatically following so. Following the Adebo interception. And did so, and please bring this up to anyone who mentions that KJ Costello didn't play the second half without Isaiah Bowser. Does anyone remember what the last two carries before the carry Isaiah Bowser got hurt on looked like? Sweet Jesus. The Paulson Adebo <laughs> truck stick play? Oh my God. That's a sports center play. Uh, he just straight up truck sticked two guys on the same run and then added on another, what, 15 yards on the play after that? Um, and then got hurt. And we didn't have him for the rest of the game. And with all that, Hunter, given everything he'd had to go to up until that point, managed to engineer a touchdown drive. Um, I'm not saying that this, I'm just saying, here's the thing this guy's got a cannon for an arm and runs like a deer. And is capable of making amazing plays. And McCall, and again, I know, and we talked about this, and we wanted to put this to bed too. Um, and I know, Sammy, you in particular talked about this beforehand, is 
There are a lot of people calling for McCall's head after this game. If if you're calling for McCall's head, and please take it from us, and if you're longtime listeners, you know this, okay? We, we would have canned him years ago. Years ago, we folks. Were, oh, yeah, it ain't happening, though. No, we're stuck, like, we're let, stuck with the guy. Let, 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 me, let me shut this thing down because, like, McCall did a fine job. Like, the play calls, I didn't think were the problem. Like, that wasn't the problem. He, he, like, he called a good he game. He called a good game. The the issue was on a more fundamental level, you know, messing with your your preparation, you know, running both guys at the number one. I mean, you you really if you're going to give the keys to Hunter, give them to him. Let him work through the issues, and like that that's more of a fundamental level. That's not. I don't think that's a McCall call. And that's and again, that's where you you mentioned it off the top, and this is where I said. I was so mad, and I'm still simmering a little bit on this. Because the bottom line is, if you watch the tape and you see what we've got, we have a Ferrari in the garage. This kid is the real deal. And if you look through the, if you can get through the stats and get through the whole mess of this game, it's all there on tape to see. This kid's a stallion, okay? And what makes me so mad is he's like, we all get to know that he's going to be the guy on every snap from here on out. And it makes me so mad to be put in a position where I have to say something that makes me feel so dirty to say. And that is what, that is what is, is just getting me about this. Because like the truth of the matter is like, He's the guy now, and we know it, and he's a thoroughbred, and he's going to get a ton of reps, and he's going to keep getting better. And it just, the dog and pony show we had to go through to get here and everything that came with it. And and again, to be put in the position, um, uh, you know, just to even be alluding to what we're sort of alluding to here just drives me nuts. Um, well, and Something I want to juxtapose it against, and this is, this is very you know, directly about McCall and, and something that we were just tearing our hair out about in 2015. When Clayton Thorson was, was named starter and, and given this offense, um, and I'm not just talking about Stanford, I'm talking about, what, 90% of that season, we took the ball out of his hands more often than not, especially after he made a mistake. You'd see him throw a pick and we'd come back the next drive, run, 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 run. And like fans, I'm like I'm telling like go back and think about your your mental state in 2015, and then come back and look at this game with those eyes. And and after the pick, the first play after the pick to Adebo, he throws a bullet on a cross. Like we weren't giving Clayton Thorson the option to make that pass in 2015. We were handing the ball off the next six offensive plays, no matter what, like this was a well-called game. There were a couple of mistakes. That's, that's the weird thing to me. And that's the weird wrinkle at that. Like, I, I just, I wish I could know. And again, it's like, yeah, (laughs) if, if there's ever a program where you wish you could know that you are more like bleep out of luck, it is Northwestern. But I just, the, the the whole compounding factor in the whole, you know, not just going with Hunter is that McCall has this package that you can tell he's just itching to run. Not a play it safe for Hunter package, a like CJ Bechet era 
sprint re like sprint pass package where he's like my boy can roll left or right fast and throw on the run you can just see he's like woohoo like we're gonna test drive this and that's what i just don't i don't get how those two things are just existing in the same universe and like i said i think eventually like guilt or no we just gotta turn the page and be like well i mean you're gonna get to do it all day now because he's the guy so, and again, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's two long weeks until you and LV, but now, you know, I feel more than ever. I, I, before we move on, I want yeah. to, I want to talk no, about and, a rollout. No, we won't, because we I, haven't even talked defense. I, I yeah. want to talk, I want to talk about a rollout, a specific rollout, uh, before we move to the defense. And that's the, the last rollout of the game. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a designed rollout. No. Let's get that straight. Go, no, go back was, and watch the tape. There is not a single blocker that moves to the left of that formation. It was not a rollout, folks. People have been screaming about this on Twitter for for twenty four hours. It was not a designed rollout. No, it was it was a it was a breakdown in, in protection. I mean, Hunter saw immediately that the right side of the line whiffed on on protection, and it was like, I got to get out of here and try to make something and nothing. But you know, th- the defensive end just basically had a, a free shot, and yeah, I mean, stuff ish happens, and you know, the fact that you know it. It looks, I mean, the final score being 10 points as opposed to three, you know, it, it was, it was a closer game than the final score indicated. It shouldn't have been. I think on, it could have gone a lot of different ways, but I mean, that, that, that's a 10, Sorry, it's gamblers. a 10 game. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, yeah, right. Sorry, gamblers for the horrendous backdoor cover. But the, but the, the other thing too is, and it, this is a good pivot because we should talk about the line a little bit. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to say that the line had a bad day. And I will say the line had a rough day when it came to pass pro. Uh, that game, was, that was one game I was talking before the pod. There's a play that I don't think anyone even remembers that I was watching that was in the second half where Rashawn Slater was out at this point, And I think Whitaker was in spelling him. And uh, Johnson threw a pass over Mangieri's head out to the flat. It was high and wide. He just missed him. It was a flat. And it was like, looks like a bad throw. The reason he missed that play was because Stanford ran a delay blitz with their offensive linebacker, with their outside linebacker. And that outside linebacker didn't come around the outside. He came through the space where Whitaker had been because they ran a stunt with the defensive end. And the defensive end stunted across Whitaker's face outside to inside towards center gap. And Whitaker turned and followed him into the middle of the field. <laughs> And just, it was just open season on poor Hunter and he had to just get rid of the ball. And again, that's a situation where Weirker was in because Rashawn Slater was hurt. And I'm not trying to throw a guy under the bus, but there was some pass pro issues. There was one play early on where Sam Gurak and Jared Thomas had a, oh, I thought you were supposed to take that guy play right up the middle of the field. Um, the thing is, run blocking was pretty good. We talked about this ad nauseum. Well, here's here's an interesting wrinkle on that, too, because one of my chief concerns coming in this game that I talked about in our preview was the role of the superback and what was going to happen now that Cam Green's graduated. The presumed heir apparent, Trey Pugh, is clearly injured, not on the death chart. We didn't see him in this game. We knew Mangieri was the likely starter. We thought Gones might play. We, we uh, I forget I forget some of the other players. Uh, Carnifax. Um, I forget who else is in that room right now, but I was quite worried about how how are we going to be able to block? Cam Green was so 
critical to that last season. Here's what's interesting, and I don't have the numbers for last year, but I bet you if I charted it, it would be a flip-flop. This game, 60% of our plays, we did not have a super back near the line of scrimmage. Now, Mangieri may have been may have been lined up as a receiver. I think probably in a lot of those cases he was off the field. But 60% of plays, we did not have a, a super back player close to the line of scrimmage. And we still blocked pretty effectively for Bowser. Uh, Jesse Brown had a couple of really good runs. I thought Drake showed a couple flashes, um, hoping to get a lot more run on all three of the, well, not maybe not Bowser, but certainly on the other two guys during the, um, the upcoming UNLV game. There's, there's, it, it, it wasn't great. I, I like, I certainly felt like we couldn't run the ball consistently, certainly after Bowser went down, but um, the added element of, of Hunter and like we, we ran a couple read options that worked pretty, pretty well. I know everybody is screaming about the, the third and 14 when we ran a, um, a QB draw. Here's the secret about that play guys. If Jesse Brown, he, he just, he, he just slightly missed his block. He thought he and, had and the that's guy. A guy who, and that's a guy who had a great game yeah. blocking. Aside yeah, yeah, from yeah. That. Well, so he, he just missed his block. The guy just got inside of him and was able to meet Hunter in the hole. But if Jesse Brown gets a hat on that dude, Hunter's going for at least eight yards, if not all 14. I don't, I don't know if anyone noticed. Hunter's really fast. <laughs> like, really fast. I don't like him taking all these hits, let's be clear. Me neither. But I'm like, he's fast, accelerates. Yeah, for sure. Like, like you're going to like, you're going to learn to slide, but, um, you're absolutely right. And I think the, you know, the drive to start the second half where Bowser was just going off. I mean, the blocking on those plays were awesome too. Um, they're like the line had some real flashes. It was uneven. The pass pro is the real issue. That play where Hunter had to roll left at the end of the game. Uh, Gunnar Vogel just got burned right off the, right off the outside. It was like, it's a, it's there. It's the issue. And you can, almost... we should be really clear though. Right? Like the scheme has changed from last year, right? Like this is not the Clayton Thorson offense. I mean, it kind of looked similar in some ways, but like we're, we're going, we're going back to more of what we ran with Persa or Coulter. Right. And, and again, there, it's weird to say with a guy who, you know, as of our recording was just signed to the practice squad of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so, you know, Clayton's still an NFL player um, after four years of that to be talking about, like, you know, opening up a new thing on our offense. But Hunter can roll fast to either side of the field and throw off that. And that's a huge wrinkle to the offense. And it enables you to run more spread packages. And it enables a guy like Drake Anderson, who, again, I am... I have not been one of the biggest sippers of the Drake Anderson Kool-Aid. He showed a little Solomon vault in this game. And again, that overthrow that wasn't his, that was certainly not his fault and wasn't exactly Hunter's fault either. Um, had, is that ball on target? Drake's got a shot at scoring a touchdown on that play. Hey, and, um, and, and Johnny Moten is healthy. He played and John a fair Moten, amount of this right. game. Like Drake, Drake, Drake clearly won the number two role, unless there was maybe right. some question about whether or not uh, Moten would be, right. would be good to go. But, um, and, and right. And the whole concept of given that Bowser's clearly banged up the whole concept of next man up, uh, Jesse Brown, let's give a helmet sticker to that guy. Absolutely. Welcome back, Jesse. 
uh, a great screen pass. Uh, 20, 23 yards walking. on the screen, pla- screen pass, let's be clear. Yeah. Jesse can run and hit. Um, he is a useful player. He's clearly going to be the kind of Swiss Army knife we can, we're going to need out there. So that was good. And again, I know, like, we're, I don't want it to seem like we're looking for silver linings. We're talking about, like, the offensive line's got real issues. Hunter's going to continue to have growing pains. Bowser, we got to find out what the deal is with him. Um, and we got to find a way to, to, to integrate the wide receivers a little bit more and find ways to, to get some more short completions. But I, I truly believe going forward, people see the forest through the trees here. See this kid we've got playing quarterback right now and what he could be. It's all on tape if you just want to go look at it. And, and, the, and there's, a, there's just a lot there on offense. Well, let's be clear. Like, you know, when we, when we previewed the Stanford team, both in our, in our team capsule and then again last week, we were all looking at a team that, and and this is not just us. Other outlets cited many of the same things. They were a work in progress at defensive line. They had a couple of of obvious playmakers in Two Hill and and Adebo, but not much else. And this Stanford defense was incredibly physical. They were pretty well disciplined, and I thought they played a lot better than we expected them to. Um, and I, like credit where credits due, right? Oh, for sure. And like, you know, they, you know, it, it's a game, not in a vacuum. I mean, there, there was plenty of opportunities we had offensively to you know, extend a drive or, you know, complete a pass here. But on, on the flip side, I mean, we've been, you know, dodging and talking about the defense for about half an hour now. Um, and defensively, like, it, it's such a weird game to, to talk about. It's like, we gave up seven points. Um, to to this Stanford offense, I I'm not like the field goal at the end. We'll, we can talk about the Ernest Brown hit on Costello, and we can talk about that in a second. But I mean, the defense gave up seven points, but Stanford had the ball for forty plus minutes this game. Tackling was abysmal. I mean, I I didn't go back and look at every missed tackle, but I know uh, someone uh, one of our Twitter followers said he counted like eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Let, so let's let's get this right right here. Our defense is going to be fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they are obscenely talented. They're really really good. They are going to be fine. the the Trey the Trey Williams injury after that like he went out the next two drives were those two eight minute drives um, that that they they went after AJ Hampton. He's young. It's the first time he's on the field. Like they went after him. It's what we should we should have done in that same situation. A senior level QB like KJ Costello is gonna is gonna see that every time, right, and take advantage of it. So, like, that was painful. This defense is gonna be fine. At the same time, it it really hurt us in this game, um, in that space. And I also want to be clear: if Stanford didn't get what five or six or seven holding penalties, and if Costello had stayed healthy in the second half, I don't I do not think this game would have been as close as it was. I think they would have scored at least two more times on our defense. Again, I that's where I say, like, injuries happen. Like I said, yeah, like, true. We, lo- we lost Bowser and Rashawn Slater. And, and Trey. TJ, and TJ Green. Right, and Trey Williams. So it's like, and, but I mean, the thing is, it was the play that we lost it on. And it was just kind of emblematic on that play of just Brown making that play. 
it wasn't a dirty play. It was just a like a sloppy and like you know just a dumb play. Like he you know he did something he shouldn't have done, and it was just one of those things that was emblematic because Ernest Blatt Brown is an incredible football player of our sweet defense playing lousy football. Cameron Scarlett's stat line to me sums it up. I feel like Cameron Scarlett didn't get tackled a ton of times in this game. And unlike the stuff we've talked about, I feel like, like, you know, like Travis Willick missed him several times just by himself. A couple other guys missed him. Okay. Cameron Scarlett's line was 22 carries for 97 yards. That's 4.4 a carry with him not getting tackled a bunch of times. Okay. The reason it's not that it's not worse than that is because our defensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. Well, well, um, well, similarly, Connor Weddington, who I feel like he had seven catches, and I feel like all seven of those catches were a straight pass down the line of scrimmage, and the first player completely whiffed on him, and he only gained 69 yards. Like, that's a 9.9-yard average. Stanford was completely unable to attack our defense downfield. Completely unable. It was missed right. tackles in the hole against the running backs. And missed tackles on the outside against the wide receivers. They had a couple of nice um, curls where where, you know, where they had a, like a speedy receiver matched up against a linebacker where they kind of got us out of sync as well. But again, they could not attack us downfield or over the middle. And and it's like the two when you ask me like missed tackles, the two guys whose names jump out at me are Blake Gallagher and Travis Willick. I'm totally comfortable highlighting the fact that these two guys missed multiple tackles because they're both awesome. Yeah, they're going to be fine. They're both really, really good football players. And it's just the team just had a bad day tackling. And it's like... Hey, another another thing we talked about in both of our previews, Stanford's wide receiver talent is ludicrously good. Uh, But but are they they as good as Minnesota's? (laughs) They are far better than Minnesota's. (laughs) These these receivers are are, are high-level recruits with a ton of athleticism. And the the knock on them coming in was that they had no returning production from last year outside of Colby Parkinson. They lost all of their big guys. And still, they could not attack downfield on us. Right. Yeah, I think. And, and like you said, I mean, if Costello had played, um, and again, but it's like, we weren't getting torched by KJ Costello. It was like it was like Chinese water torture. Yeah. with Costello. He was right? like he was, was sixteen just, of it he, was he was sixteen of twenty for one hundred and fifty two yards. Right. It was just <laughs> drip, 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 drip. Yeah. I mean, the guy had his QBR was sixty nine point eight, which we've talked about. The QBR is ludicrous, stupid. Uh, but, yeah, but I mean, it's just like he wasn't going over the top. It was just taking, taking, and we've talked about that again. Part of that is just being a Northwestern football fan. Um, and dealing with that, it was the tackling, and that is correctable. It should be noted, right? Um, well, the, the are... strategy we employ is is predicated on the idea that we are very good open field tacklers. Like, like that's why we play soft coverage and then come up and smash the dude after he catches the ball. It's right, a, and it, it's... it's a strategy that has worked for us for four years. And it's and so that we notice that we note it because I'm because you know tons of people are going to be talking about it online and it's a real thing and it deserves discussion. One, we had this issue at the start of last season, okay. And two, we don't go full hit tackling uh, in the summer leading up to the season. Yeah, and, okay? and that, that's a that's a and, point I, I wanted to to bring up. I mean, the the fact like you we're hearing reports like 
there was no tackling done in spring practice. There was no tackling done in summer practice. Like the last time this team did live tackling was at the holiday bowl against Utah. And like when, when you're going nine plus months without actually hitting someone that again, a question of philosophy. I mean, and, and that's the thing. And, and here's the thing, like, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, Dartmouth notably has been like the team that like most people bring up, right. That like, there've been stories about it. Like they've just given up tackling. They only tackle during games and they try to find ways to scheme around it. The reality is I do believe if you don't go full contact and you don't tackle like this, that it is going to lead to problems like this. I'm not saying I know it's related. I don't have empirical data. It just seems like something that would be true. Nothing can simulate live tackles. And I totally get why we do it. <laughs> it's- it keeps guys healthy. Like, look at how many guys we had hurt just in this game. I'm like, Fitz said as much, and I'm like, I don't... There's not a right answer to this question. I I believe that it negatively impacts tackling early in the season, and I also believe it keeps guys healthy. And I, you know, I don't have the answer to this question. I, I just say, like, there are things that we certainly second-guess, coaching decisions we certainly second-guess. I don't second-guess this one. I think it's as good of a solution as any. I don't think that there's a perfect answer. And, you know, it, it's a thing that like, when, when you make that decision, this is... The result. I mean, this is something you have to live with. And, like, would you rather the team not miss 18 tackles? I mean, it wasn't just tackling. I mean, it was it, angles looked bad. I mean, they were taking bad angles of pursuit, which led to missed tackles. Like, you, you make a better angle of attack, which you should be able to practice without finishing the tackle. I think that, more than the missed tackles, you know, to me, was was a, was a big issue. I mean, you you make a good angle of attack, you're going to be able to wrap up. Instead of like a bad angle, now you're pursuing. Now you're trying to like reach out and trip someone up. You're not able to like make a, a solid tackle. And with all this, right? Uh, AJ Hampton came in and re- kind of, kind of was okay. Like he, he, he was, looked good I, in pass coverage. Yeah, Let's be clear. I thought he, I thought he was fine. Uh, and everyone else is healthy on the defensive side of the ball. And again, knock wood for right now. But the defensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. We looked like an athletic, solid defense that played sloppy football. And that's what happened. And with all that, Discuss's point, or Sam's point, seven points is what this defense gave up. And you add the three, and I guess you should deservedly add it because it's emblematic of the sloppy play that led to another three points. Um, And so it's like, with all of that, our defense still gave up 10 points. You could argue it could have been worse. You also could argue it could have been a lot better. And given how our defense has earned the right to be thought of over the past couple of years, it's going to get better, especially as we get into conference season. So, you know, as, as we, well, should we talk about the, the, the quote unquote targeting? I, we, I, we, we could, I mean, I, I'll I don't, be, I don't I, want to spend too much time on it. I mean, like, it was here's here's the thing. I think if the, I think if the refs called it targeting, it would have been no big deal. I think the only reason it's gotten so much kind of like admonishment during like during the game and after the game and in the post game write ups and everything is because it didn't get called. And I, like John, you kind of said it earlier. Maybe Sam, you did. Like Brown just made a mistake, and it like is a is a mental hiccup, right? Like Fitz even said, yeah, we knew Costello slides. 
Costello started to go down. Brown started his dive right at the same time. Like, people are making a big deal about a, 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 the forearm. Like, come on. He wasn't aiming for the head. He was aiming for the midsection just, or the leg. He's just trying to – he's just tackling him. Yeah, it's he's just what tackling a guy. He's tackling a guy who's sliding, and, which you shouldn't do. And, and, yeah, and that – like, But he didn't lead with the head. He didn't yeah. do – I mean – But yeah. but that being said, had they called targeting him, tossed him out of the game, none of us would have had any gripe with that. I mean – No. You could, no. You absolutely could have made no. that call and – Yep. No, that that yeah, for sure. That sucks. You you hate to knock out like like I said at the beginning. You hate having like injuries dictated this game uh, on both sides. It's like you hate to see someone get injured. Should Brown have been tossed? Probably he wasn't, and that's what's causing all of this you know hullabaloo. So yeah, you know. Well, well, and let's be clear. Like Paulson Adibo took two guy two Northwestern guys out of the game with hard tackles. Um, Bowser and uh, Berkeley Holman, and then also put his helmet on Hunter Johnson later in the game as well. So, um, like both teams were play- like these two teams both play very, very, very physical football, and this is what results. Thank God we have a bye week. Yeah, and let and and let's go ahead and spin it forward. I mean, you you look at you know going into this bye week. Um, you know, I, I know at the beginning, you know, before the the season, I was kind of bemoaning the fact that you have a bye week after week one, but like now you have something on tape. Now, you know, that Hunter Johnson is the guy moving forward, period, the end. And you've got two weeks to really get him, you know, in the film room. Now you've got tape. Now you can, you, you, okay. You've seen it. You've gotten your feet wet. How do we adjust? You've, you know, you, you have these corrections to make on the defensive side. Let's tackle. Um, and w- whether or not we, we start tackling in, in practice or not, not for me to say, but like, you'd like to hope that maybe, you know, we know we need to work on that. And like, you know, I, I, I think I, I, and I'm going to knock on wood furiously, but I'm now suddenly less concerned about the UNLV game than I was, uh, before the Stanford game. <laughs> it's funny. It's, I've, I've been thinking the same thing. It's so weird. And because... Exactly, because there's going to be a modus operandi that Hunter has to complete a bunch of passes in that game. And 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 that's there. It's well, the right team to need to do that against. Well, and isn't it also a tryout for who takes um, Bowser's role? If if Bowser is missing time. I mean, we, we just we don't sure. know. Yeah, I don't think Bowser's playing in that game, I'll be honest. Um, I... Yeah, they, I, they uh, said knee, and that just feels like they're going to give him three weeks. They said lower uh, body. The hilarious, you know, the hilarious thing about this too is like from the point we're recording this, if you include Michigan State, he's basically got a month to sit in the ice tub because oh yeah, talk, why, why bother? Because because State? real talk, it doesn't matter who our running back is against Michigan yeah, State. That's a good point. Okay? Good Hunter's going to win that with his arm if it's there to, to be won. Um, so don't fret if he's, if it's a situation that he can heal, he's got a lot of time to heal up. Um, and right. And again, I, I tip my hat to Scuzz. I tip my hat to you. Good sir. Uh, for your glass half full view on Drake Anderson, because (laughs) I didn't, I, I, I honestly, I didn't give the kid enough credit and I should have, uh, John Moan's not hurt. He's there. He's available to play. Drake earned the secondary, earned that backup role, and he earned it by showing flashes of Solomon Vault. And he really does look like Solomon Vault 
in the best, in the good ways, and in the less good ways. And that that great six yard carry he had, the burst into the hole, tremendous. All it took was a linebacker getting a hand on one of his legs, and he went down. Yeah, and it's like that's a scat back. Okay, good. We know what he brings to the table. Keep getting stronger. You've got the speed. That's great. Um, it's and you know you put a guy like that in space. Fantastic. Um, well, and and Moten's healthy. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say let's talk about scheme because like to me. We had some questions when we talked to, to Ella Brockway. We we pondered a bit more about it last week in our in our you know kind of final official preseason preview. The scheme that we're going to see from this team offensively this year is different. We we are going back to the person mold um, from 2010, 2011. A little bit of what we ran with Coulter in twenty twelve, although. Um, as that year went on and then 2013, it really became, you know, a problem that we, we didn't let Coulter throw. We, we would just put in Sim, Simeon to throw. But we talked during, I can't remember if it was the Simeon season or if it was like year two of Clayton Thorson, but we talked about how, you know, the Mick McCall offense, he didn't seem to be able to function without a true dual threat QB. And he's got one again. And we, we saw it week one against Stanford that we, we brought a different, a different flavor and a different type of approach. And I, and I, I think you could maybe argue that there's been a couple times where we tried to force a Simeon or, or a Thorson into that mold and have them like roll out, throw on the run, that sort of stuff. They were never very good at it. This, this is a different animal. And I, I, I think it just, it just brings a whole different perspective on the season. Um, like I, I don't, I don't have any particular matchups where I'm, where I'm thinking about us doing better or worse. It just changes my perspective of we're now talking about what we saw in in 2010, 2011, which to me the ceiling on what our offense can do is a little bit higher. Um, and I don't know that just that just changes the di- the dynamics because the other thing too is like I know KG Costello only played half of that game, but the only other QB on our schedule that we see that's even kind of like similar to him is probably um, Nate Stanley at Iowa. There's two other really good QBs in Adrian Martinez and, well, I mean, you know, what, potentially could, Justin huh. Fields. Well, I, and I, I would love to talk about both of those because Martinez had a terrible game and Fields looked <laughs> amazing. I, yeah, well, I mean, so, well, well so, Get to that in a second. I wanted to bring one thing up, though, too, and, and because it dovetails with everything we said about UNLV and why we were while we were worried about UNLV, um, and we're going to get to this more the following week. But just so people know, if you're looking for a team to get a quarterback some quality completions in a game, okay, we talked about UNLV is a crap team if you want to throw the ball into the into the ground. Uh, you want to run the ball into the line on every play, and that's you know one of the things that had us so worried. Well, they played Southern Utah, which what even is Southern Utah? I don't know what what is. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I, are they like D two? I don't know. They're the but they're the Thunderbirds. They are the Thunderbirds. That is a fact. That is true. Um, <laughs> they rushed for they're they're one they're out of they're out of the Big Sky. Sure. Okay. Great. Uh, they rush for forty-six yards, one point two average a carry. Okay, that means nothing. Okay, that means absolutely nothing. Who knows what that means? This team could be a total level below, except 
They had two different quarterbacks combined to throw for 295 yards and two touchdowns in this game. And that is not surprising at all because UNLV was god-awful on pass defense last year. And that's just to show the one thing this is good is if you need to get a quarterback tuned up, UNLV is the team to take. Um, So it's good. We got two weeks to lick our wounds, and then Hunter's going to get some real quality uh, momentum reps against UNLV. And and we'll talk more about that game uh, next week, like you said. And you know, UNLV uh, has a game this weekend against Arkansas State, so we'll have a little bit more tape on them. Not again that Southern Utah or Arkansas State are going to be good equivalencies here, but um, just briefly. You know, are we? Can we briefly move on and, and talk about the rest of the Big Ten? I mean, there's some some to talk about. I, I don't want to go. Too, too... We, we we got we got a, we forgot one gargantuan helmet sticker that we failed to give out. Oh, go for it. And that is to our new punter. Oh yeah, yeah. Holy yes, moly, sir. Every yes. everyone on this team kind of like underplayed expectations, in my opinion, with the exception of the punter. Yeah, Daniel Kubiak, who's a guy, right, who is, I think, battled injuries for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's a six-year uh, guy. A, so. Yeah, notable recruit. And he, he, yeah, worth the wait. Boom. Great punting. Booming punts. Yep. Um, can punt high, can punt rugby style. Um, yeah. No, that was that was a great thing to see. I mean, Charlie Kubander. Uh, oh, it's one of those, boy. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like he, he pushed it right. It had the distance. Small sample size. Again, I don't feel like my opinion on him on on it's the same thing as we talked about, which is like, please let this be because it was a nerve situation and not because it's a health situation. Because last year we got three or four weeks in and then found out that he had been like nursing an injury the whole time because of the aforementioned multiple times KGB like clandestine nature with which we deal with everything. Um, real real quick, I, real I, quick I, on the kicking front, what was the last Northwestern kicker you felt confident about? I'd say there's, I I, I have an equivocating answer, and then I have the obvious answer, uh, and I know Scuds, I'll let you take the obvious answer. My equivocating answer is Jack Mitchell, depending on when I can have Jack Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jack Mitchell at Notre Dame Stadium. Pick, yeah, am I allowed to pick the year or like the specific game? Because Jack Mitchell did, you know, did a couple of the most amazing things I've seen a Northwestern kicker do. But no, I mean, because it was Jeff Budzine. I mean, Budzine, yeah, who he graduated in thirteen, Budzine. right? Um, yeah, yeah, he it's was Jeff Budzine. And and Stefan Demos quality kicking right before that as well. I mean Northwestern's had several great kickers. Um, but it, and, but it's been a yes, minute. But it really has been a minute since like we it has we've been able to like you know with Budzine he trotted out and was like okay great you know thirty eight yard kick. I mean mm-hmm. let me be clear I could not make a thirty eight yard kick so like you know I, right. I I'm not here to say like you know he's he, not talented or anything but like. But Zine went out there. It's like this is automatic, and you just haven't really felt that. Well, M- M- Mitchell was Mitchell was decent. He was serviceable. Um, like, well, like he'll, he'll always have the Notre Dame game. Yeah, yeah, the Notre Dame game was unreal. But he was a little he was a little trick or treat. Um, and then you know with last year the injuries that Kubander and I'm forgetting the other Luck kicker that Luckenbaugh. Luck yeah, 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 yeah. Like that was that was tough sledding to deal with last year. 
this is Kubaner's first try this year. Like, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment a little bit. These guys are both, you know, reasonably um, considered kickers. So let's uh, like hope, hopefully we can get back to that stage. I just I think last year with the injuries, it's a little hard to to peg this right now. Sure. Sure. Right, exactly. Let's hope he gets some more chances to kick in UNLV and that it's not a health situation yeah. like it was last year. And if, you know, on that fact, your guess is as good as ours. But, know nothing. but interestingly, so Fitz, especially last year, and in part because of the injuries to his, his kickers, um, was extremely likely to go for it on fourth down. Um, also because on fourth and one, like the Clayton Thorson sneak generally worked. So we went for fourth and fourth down a lot last year. We got it on, I think it was like roughly 56% of the time. That was good for what top 50 in the country. Like it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, We were pretty good on fourth down last year. I I think even on punting last year, we didn't feel, feel super great this year with a great punter and not a great field. Like you're going to see us try to pin teams deep a lot, especially with this defense. And, and like, I guess the last point to make before before we get off of this first game is, and again, I, I took some flack for some comments I made on Twitter, kind of calling out like, yes, we should be mad at the coaches, but the the players deserve some criticism too. Like, where's the leadership? Where are people stepping up? Like, this team's not young, especially on defense. And people took that to mean that I was saying like defense is the problem. It's not. It's not the problem. I want to be clear again, but the identity of this team for what six years running now is defense hard nose, aggressive suffocating defense. And that's what Fitz wants it to be. And that's what he coaches towards. That's why we try to, to play games that end 20 to 19. Cause he thinks that we can win on the margins with that defense. We're going to lead hard into this awesome punter this year, guys. Like <laughs> you're going yeah. to like coffin corners and like fourth downs at at the at the 41 yard line of our opponent like we're probably going to be punting a lot i just want people to be prepared yeah and and again it's like there's it's these yeah we're going to get into all this a lot more a ton of things went wrong in this game and they're all correctable things and and, and, and we have we have two weeks to to do that so that that yep. definitely gives me hope moving forward yeah yeah be be mad be pissed off, and at the same time, have a clear head and, and be able to look at, at what the potential is here on both sides of the ball. So let, let's briefly run through the rest of the conference. Um, you know, Starting on Thursday night, uh, the best wide receivers and running backs in the history of all mankind <laughs> struggled at home. Oh, as, as, wait, what? What? <laughs> Future first-round pick Tyler Johnson only had three catches for 28 yards. What the hell, yeah, guys? Uh, it's almost like someone has to deliver the ball to him for him <laughs> to be able to make a contribution. I, like, I, I, again, I, I get it. Glass houses, I totally get it. Um, but that Minnesota did not look good. <laughs> Interesting development from that game. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, did I get it right this time? I think so, yeah. Ibrahim. Ibrahim. uh, Only carried the ball 12 times. Rodney Smith, who was the starter two years ago, 
carried it 21 times. So that's that's interesting that um, maybe Smith is back in the driver's seat for that team, but maybe he was just the one that was running the ball well. Uh, I, I forget the other dude, um, Scotty Brooks maybe, um, didn't carry it at all. No carries for the other three-headed uh, running back monster in Minnesota. So uh, make of that what you will. Uh, so Minnesota escapes with a win on Thursday, Friday. Michigan State twenty-eight, Tulsa seven. Any big takeaways there? Uh, just I expected Michigan State to hammer them, and they absolutely did. Connor Haywood looked looked pretty great. Um, Fifteen carries, at, at forty-three times. yards. Not, he had a he had a he had a uh, receiving touchdown okay. where he he went fifteen yards and trucked a bunch of people. Um, but I like hard to take anything away from this, honestly. Other than other than Michigan State should have won like fifty three to seven, they left there, a lot of points on the table. And that's the thing is like there there are games where yeah where teams rolled over people and it's like I I don't know anything about that. But then with the exception of of Minnesota, there's another team who very likely should have lost. Well, we'll to we'll get to them. Yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, Wisconsin 49, South Florida 0. Jonathan Taylor looks great. Actually caught the touchdown pass. His first one of his career. I mean, the team as a whole had like 250 rushing yards and averaged something like six yards a carry or something like that. Like, I like this is if Wisconsin, Wisconsin does one thing very well on offense. And if you if you're. If it's a team that can't stop that thing, Wisconsin just keeps scoring. It's one of those things where it's like, do you like to take that and try to like make a read off of what Wisconsin's going to look like in the Big Ten West? There's almost nothing you can read out of this. There was a play early, early in that game. I think it was a third and four, and and uh, Taylor had been averaging something like seven yards per carry. And on third and four, they Jack Cohen threw an incompletion, and I was like, "Oh, the Wisconsin offense from from last year." But then, like, I, like obviously they got rolling. South Florida appears to be a mess. They 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 really lost their cool and their discipline in that game. Um, I mean, just you know, basic tackling, et cetera. And, and Taylor looked fantastic. So I, they're they're certainly a potential force to be reckoned with. But yeah, to John, to your point, I don't think they've really proven anything quite yet. Um, after the first quarter, UMass was beating Rutgers twenty-one to seven. Oh yeah, Ruck, R- Rutgers has a has a gunslinger at QB. My goodness. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Arthur Ar- Ar- uh, Ar- yeah. is no longer the starter. Um, McLean Carter played this entire game. McLean Carter is a transfer from Texas Tech because, of course, he is, and uh, th- like just. I th- I think there was one point where the where the announcers praised him for making the exact same throw on a play after he had just thrown an interception on that play. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yep, him, that sums it the, up. <laughs> McLean Carter hit him throw hard. Him not always throw to right team. <laughs> him throw hard. Um, late Friday night, uh, Purdue. Oh Purdue! Oh Purdue! Oh Purdue! Uh, Nevada beats I, so, Nevada beats Purdue thirty four thirty one after coming back from. Ooh, it was here's uh, major again, comeback for for Nevada, and then the walk on kicker bombing a fifty six yard field goal at the buzzer, and then getting a scholarship in the locker room afterwards. I mean, if you haven't seen that video, go look it up because I mean it's that's a re- that's a really cool kind of post game celebration, but. Oh, Purdue. Yeah, well, and again, our team previews, right? 
We talked about multiple things with Purdue. We talked about that their offense had the potential to be incredibly explosive. We also talked about the fact that their pass defense is an absolute train wreck. And we mentioned that bizarrely, there were only two teams in the entire Big Ten who could potentially lose to every single team on their schedule. Not like they were going to go 0-12, but every single team on their schedule could potentially beat them. And one of those two teams lost this weekend, and it wasn't Rutgers. Uh, And again, it's like we didn't expect Nevada was going to beat Purdue, but we outlined the situation going on the road out west, night game. And in the second half, when they needed to come back, I mean, yeah, they got an amazing play from their kicker at the end, but they just completed a bunch of passes. Yeah, let me tell you about Carson Strong, their freshman QB, who in the first half had 64 yards. In the third quarter, had 64 yards. In the fourth quarter, had 167 yards at a 9.3 clip. Freshman QB figured it out as he went and, yeah, took advantage of this defense. Elijah Sindelar also threw a back-breaking interception to allow that that field goal uh, to win. And I just, like, at the same time, if if you look at – at the same time, if you look at Purdue, like, oh boy, Rondell Moore, I think had what a buck fourteen in the first half. Um, David Bell caught a big pass, a fifty-one yard touchdown pass. Like, look out for Purdue. They right. they might it's lose a- all their non-con games, and they will still be a threat in the West. Right. The one of the big the biggest things too is if Elijah Sindelar's throwing interceptions, this team is not winning football games um, because like it's basically it's like. Dude, your job is just to get it in the hands of these insane guys who can, you know, get 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 it out, get it into space, and let these guys score a bunch of points. But it's not like Nevada, like, found some secret sauce. Everyone knows you can throw on Purdue. And uh, it's Purdue is just, this is their, this is the roller coaster they've decided to ride. And I bet you, like Scott said, I bet you they're going to win a bunch of games. But it's going to be able to bite him every single time. If we, if we can't tackle against Purdue, we're losing that game, too. I'll oh, yeah. Much. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Saturday, Ohio State 45, Florida Atlantic 21. Uh, Justin Fields looked real good. Um, is it more telling that Florida Atlantic scored 21 points? And 15 of those points were in the fourth quarter when the game was, you know, it was scrub time. I don't know. Lane Kiffin, maybe. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I uh, we'll know we'll know a lot only, more after they play Cincinnati next week. Yeah, for sure. Only yeah, for sure. And and I would say you know on, only if there was any reason to care about that. Which to your point, it's I'm probably just you know making up something. But uh, if you're talking about a potential of a defense taking their foot off the gas late in the game, that only has relevance if said defense took its foot off the gas the entire preceding season. Uh, so. <laughs> I, so let it, let's just say we are still waiting to see exactly what Ohio State's got on defense right now. I, I went to Cincinnati UCLA on Thursday night, and Cincinnati physically dominated UCLA. And with the exception of the one time that a UCLA receiver kind of got loose and just had like absurd speed, um, Cincinnati owned that team from the get go, and that matchup's going to be fascinating next week. Uh, Michigan between, between Cincy and Ohio State. Sorry, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about that briefly in just a sec. Uh, Michigan beat Middle Tennessee forty to twenty one. Any takeaways? 
not really. I mean, not not the greatest win, but I mean, like they didn't have to try. They did everything they needed to do. Who knows what Harbaugh wanted to show in that game? You know, Middle Tennessee's Asher O'Hara had more passing yards than Shea Patterson, but um, Patterson looked pretty darn good. Michigan looked pretty good overall. Their receivers are scary. Glad we don't have to play them. Yep. Uh, Penn State seventy nine, Idaho seven. Didn't Idaho drop down to FCS? They sure did. Yep. And there's a reason. Uh, Carry on. Oh, that's, uh, that's so sad. The Kibbe Dome leaves the FBS. That's disappointing. Yeah, oh, not wow. not an FBS team, guys. Just so everybody knows. Uh, I, they play in an they play in an airplane <laughs> hangar. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Ma- Maryland scored 79 points as well against another FCS opponent, but they didn't give any up. Iowa beat Miami, Ohio, 38-14. That game was close in the first half. Yeah, it was. It was, what, 10-7 at halftime, and then um, Iowa came out and and turned it on in the second half. Nebraska beat South Alabama 35-21, but, ooh, boy. boy. Oh, boy. That that game was amazing. I mean, they – South Alabama lost this game – Despite kind of, and I made this joke in the last pod, despite kind of being the better South Alabama team uh, of the day, as opposed to Florida State, um, they lost this game because they turned it over, what, six times? Uh, what was it? I'm I'm trying to remember. I mean, they turned it over. Seven. Five. They tur- yeah. They, they had an insane amount of turnovers in this game. And Nebraska made a couple good picks. South Alabama threw a couple brutal interceptions. I'm I'm, in, I'm sorry, only five. Three, three picks and two fumbles. Right. Uh, that's worth bringing up only because Nebraska did something. And again, I'll just take the chance to say it now because it'll be my chance to say it. Nebraska won this game with defense. Uh, <laughs> and... It's the it's so hilarious to say, and I mean, boy, if you could have watched Scott Frost, if you could, if you watch this game, you could just hear it in the stadium. The malaise throughout this game, they did nothing. He he offense. was pissed in the post game pre, uh, yeah. press conference. Like you could tell, like he was really unhappy, and not like Eight. in the fake Nick Saban kind of way. Right. Like Adrian Martinez, one hundred seventy eight yards and a pick. He ran the ball 13 times for six yards. The team averaged 2.2 yards a carry against South Alabama. They won this game because South Alabama threw a couple brutal interceptions. Including um, one where they put it, had to put in their backup QB right. because the helmet came off on their starting QB. And on that play, they had the backup QB throw a pass and he threw a pick. Yeah, right. stupid play call. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, Nebraska easily could have lost this game. I'll say, though, that, like, too, much to our delight, this is the kind of game that a lot of times the better team tends to squeak out, and Nebraska's managed to lose this exact type of game the past couple of years. So I suppose you could argue that they had a win in, of this type, you know, coming due. But, again, we've talked about the possibility that teams may be calibrating against Adrian Martinez— and that this team does not have a dynamic receiver core. And good God, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole again. I'm just saying, 
Twas not a surprised member of the Westlot Pirates watching any of this game at any point. And only because we've talked about Nebraska so much, I just want to highlight two other quick little things. Um, so one, uh, South Alabama's offense actually outscored Nebraska's out- offense because they got two defensive touchdowns and a, and a punt return. Um, <laughs> in Nebraska's favor, uh, they sat Maurice Washington for the first half. Uh, Washington was, was their was a decent running back for them last year. He was expected to take the, the job primarily this year. Um, all the Nebraska fans that, that touted all the other um, amazing running back recruits that Nebraska has acquired, those recruits did jack diddly squat. Um, Diedrich Mills averaged 2.9 yards per carry against South Alabama. Let's, you know, put that out there. And then, um, yeah, there's just, there's still questions in the receiver core. Like, I like, oh boy, this is this is almost everything I could hope for. I, I mean, but, you know, it's good that Nebraska gets a, you know, a solid week off next week. They don't have to play. Then it's like they have to play like a, a Colorado team that scored 52 points this past week. Yeah, against, like against a much better team in South Alabama. And Nebraska's a six and a half point favorite going into Boulder. I, 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 I can't even. <laughs> I, 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 like, don't even, don't even bet. Don't. Don't waste time betting on this game that you could just better put in watching this game. Just watch LaVisca Chenault in this game. Uh, Maryland beat Howard 79-0. Great. Wonderful. Do it. Do it, Sammy. Do it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Howard really should have brought the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Howard. Uh, Maryland. Wow. I, I saw some people tweeting about, like, don't play Maryland the first week of the year. And there was there were, like, some Texas fans chiming in, like, yeah, I'm so glad we don't have to, we don't have to play them again because they beat Texas twice the first game of the year. So we'll see if Maryland can keep it up. But this was, this was a statement game from them in some ways probably. Uh, Illinois beat Akron forty-two to three, and Brandon Peters fourteen to twenty-three, hundred and sixty-three yards and three touchdowns. Illinois, come on over to the rivals message board, Illinois fans. Come on over and crow, uh, just just to give us the chance to smack back at you. Come on over, <laughs> and then uh, please. And then Indiana beat Ball State thirty-four twenty-four. Um, so that is uh, kind of the rundown of Week One in the Big Ten. Um, ball state ball. Yeah. Ball state. Um, any, big... uh, Hey, what, what, one other, one other thing I might just throw in yeah. here. So, uh, Brandon Peters hasn't played football. What in a year and a half played what four games at Michigan two years ago. Um, did all of his best work in the third quarter in this game. He was eight of nine for 80 yards and two TDs in the, in the third quarter was pedestrian in the first half. Um, just again, they, another, another they notch. Call, they call this a theme folks. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> New QB needs time to warm up, people. Uh, any other national games that uh, really you want to talk about? I mean, I, I, the only – I mean, Boise going and taking that big comeback against Florida State. Florida State. Florida State. Oh, my God. Uh, ten- uh, Tennessee. Uh, Jalen Hurts looking good at Oklahoma. Oh, we got to talk about Tennessee. We got to – Northwestern fans, if you're still with us. I know that you all hate Tennessee much like we do for obvious reasons that have occurred in the last, um, both in recent times and in like yeah, more historic 20 years, times. 20 plus years too. Um, Tennessee welcomed, was it Georgia Southern Georgia or Southern. Georgia State? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. What were they, a 21 point underdog? They were what, 2 and 10 last year? 3 and 9? 
Yeah, two and ten. That's right. They were two and ten last year, and they beat the pants off. And they beat them by two scores. Yeah, they beat Tennessee I... by two scores. Tennessee lost a home game to a non-power five team. I don't believe that has happened to any of the last five coaches at Tennessee. I, you know what I desperately want to see happen now? I need Lane Kiffin to start openly campaigning for the Tennessee job. <laughs> <laughs> Lane, come on, dude. Even if you're just joking, you've got to troll them, man. Come on. Do it. Tell, tell them you'll come back. Tell, tell them, or tell them you won't hang up the phone if they call. Say that. Uh, amazing. It's rough though. I mean, Tennessee, right? Ole Miss. Um, well, I mean, and, oh, and Mizzou. Yeah, Mizzou going to Wyoming. I mean, that that's a that's a bigger one, I think, than than uh, Ole Miss. I mean, Memphis is Memphis is going to be frisky this year. That that's oh, a solid sure. team. Yeah, but you just uh, can't go out to Laramie and expect to come away with a win. Well, yeah, well, sure, Mississippi sure State's. Mississippi State struggled a little bit. Uh, the other one, South Carolina, lost in in horrific fashion. Um, Will Muschamp is most certainly getting fired this year. Yeah, um, I guess speaking of people who are going to get fired, you know, JT Daniels getting hurt for USC. Oh, um, yeah. Boy, boy, whoa, Nelly. I mean, that was that's a team that was hanging by a thread, and man, I... Well, and the backup QB announced he's transferring because um, he didn't win the job. I've, Jack, um, I forget his name, but uh, the, like he maybe he comes back now. I don't know, but um, I mean they might be effectively down to their number three starter uh, through this. Yeah, there. I mean, it's a, a proud program in USC that I boy, it is going to be a rough season for them, man. Uh, so let's quickly run through the, the Big Ten schedule here in week two. Um, you know, Cincinnati at Ohio State. Uh, Scuzz, you, you were at the you were at Nippert Stadium this past week to see the Bearcats beat down UCLA. This could be fun. Oh, my God. This Bearcats team is awesome. Um, the, the defense is is nasty. Um, they've got some really good running backs. They've just they've put together just a great a great squad. Uh I, I wish this game was in Cincinnati. I would desperately love to go to this game. It's at the Horseshoe. Ohio State almost certainly will win because it's at the Horseshoe. It'll it'll be closer than it should be. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Like that that defense has not been right for a couple years. Um, Fields is, in my estimation, untested. Like Florida Atlantic doesn't doesn't do a lot for me from a defensive standpoint. Th- this defense is legit, and um, I'm really excited to see what happens. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be locked in on this game next weekend. Uh, we got Army at Michigan. Um, Army coming off a 14 to seven win over Rice. Um, you know I, I know yeah. there's a, there's a, been a lot of chatter about this game. I don't know I don't know as much anymore. I'm I'm kind of falling off of the this could be a frisky game bandwagon a little yeah. bit yeah i mean it's on i mean again michigan didn't light the world on fire in their first game neither did army michigan is is much much better it's funny it's a nationally televised game on fox um it's gonna be fun like check it out army playing nationally televised football against michigan and everything i mean michigan probably rolls but it's probably gonna be fun football we got rutgers at iowa big 10 matchup oh boy <laughs> Uh, I, Iowa, Iowa might be a top 15, 15 team after playing this game. I like 
they got ranked number twenty um, after last week, and I like they might. Jump I up. was this game is that game's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> uh, Syracuse coming off their win over Liberty with Liberty coach Hugh Freeze in his hospital bed in the coaching booth. What I I, I don't I don't understand. What what is he in the hospital for? So he had back surgery and then developed a staph infection. And uh, two weeks later, is like I'm coaching from a hospital bed in the in the in the booth upstairs. Like he he should be like doing nothing for the next six weeks because he had a friggin' staff infection. Um, and there, there's I, I guess I, I didn't read a lot of it, but there's like more more to this story than that. I mean, it's it's Liberty. And Wait, the, you're telling the, me there's 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 more to a Hugh Freeze story? There is. Um, John, you want to do a deep dive in, into Freeze's Twitter? <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm furiously pursing my lips. I'm not going to say anything here. But uh, apparently, uh, Liberty was like calling in favors with high levels of government because it's Jerry Falwell, and th- there's a lot to this. And I I don't I I haven't really read into a lot of it because it's Liberty, and I just can't. I just can't. Um, Syracuse at Maryland. That's the game we're talking about. I just wanted to at least mention the the Liberty nonsense. Um, this could be fun. I mean, Maryland coming off a massive win um, over Scuzz, over Howard. But... Scuzz told, yeah, I mean, Scuzz told you to watch Josh Jackson four t- four TDs against Howard, but still. Uh, but Syracuse, I mean, they're ranked twenty two. What do you think? I, yeah, I don't know. Dino Babers, um, he's good. Like beating Liberty twenty four nothing. Like I don't know. I don't know what that means. This this should actually probably be a pretty good game. Um, it's at Maryland, so I don't know. Uh, Vandy at Purdue. Um, you know, Vandy. Oh Purdue. Yeah. Oh Purdue. Oh boy. Um, they they really should be able to win this one. Like Vandy's Vandy's not got like the dynamic offense to, well, to, to cause problems Vandy but. coming off a thumping by Georgia yeah I yeah I have a hunch this is a must win for Purdue and I have a hunch they're gonna handle it as such and I and throttle Vanderbilt I think this is they need this win bad and they're at home and I, I think they're gonna they're gonna handle Vandy uh, Central Michigan at Wisconsin um, Oh, another bloodbath that will tell us nothing. Right. Yep. But but just, you know, it'll just pour more gas into the Jonathan Taylor Heisman campaign that will truly be decided in a couple of weeks. Uh, the aforementioned Nebraska at Colorado. Oh, boy. I'm excited for this. <laughs> oh, my I, God. Go buff. Uh, Tatonkas. Tatonkas. Again, I, again, Colorado scored 52 points last week against a non-Nebraska defense. I just want everyone to understand what that means. I will be rolling straight from the Cincinnati-Ohio State game right into Nebraska-Colorado. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and it's on Fox. So, you know, nationally televised. Uh, you know, it's in Boulder. That that rivalry is, is deep. Yeah, it goes back a really, really long time. And I know Folsom Field is just going to be frothing at the mouth. It's gonna be it's gonna be beautiful. Um, Illinois at UConn. I they, they 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 should write stories about this game. I can't even. Good good God, the the collective talent involved in that game. But Illinois is gonna probably blow them out. 
I mean, they 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 do one thing well, and that's run the ball. And these were two also just so these were two of the four worst defenses of the hundred and thirty some odd teams in college football last year. Well, and for any any NU fans uh, that are that are looking at that that Illinois score against Akron and comparing it against Northwestern score against Akron last year, just just Don't. recall, like the coaching staff has all changed over, and all of the players have changed over as well. It is not the same Akron team. Uh, you've got Eastern Illinois at Indiana. Let's go, Adam Cushing. <laughs> sure. Good luck. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I use good, folks. I use yeah. good. And Eastern lost twenty four to ten to Chattanooga uh, last week, so um, yeah, probably gonna be rough. Yeah, you've got Buffalo at Penn State. Oh boy! Yeah, what uh, Buffalo yeah. do last week? They won. They beat uh, RMU. Robert Morris. Robert Moore. Bob, yeah. They beat Bobby Moe. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, I think I think Penn State's gonna destroy them. Will yeah, they destroy them as much game. as they destroyed Idaho? No, no, they're gonna, but they are gonna flatten them. And again, it's gonna be a game that that's not gonna tell us a heck of a lot. Uh, Western Michigan at Michigan State. Hey, look! If Michigan State continues to play extremely uh, inefficient on offense and leaves a lot of points on the on the on the on the field. Like, it would take a couple of wonky turnovers or big plays, but Western Michigan could live in striking distance uh, throughout this game. And and again, interesting thing about this, and again, they Western played Monmouth in the first game, so this is apropos of nothing, but Western Michigan threw five touchdowns in that game with one player. They want to throw. So it's like, they're not stupid. They're going to try to attack Michigan State at Michigan State's relative weakness. Is it going to work? Probably not. But it will be educating to watch the film of it. Yep. And then uh, 9.30 Central p.m., uh, Minnesota at Fresno. A Fresno team that, yeah, they were real close to uh, to beating USC. Popping me some popcorn. Give me some beer. Probably you gonna need betcha. Some, you're gonna need some coffee, my man. Uh, that's a te- um, that's a ten thirty kick for you. But I mean, like, gracious. I mean, but, but Fresno. I mean, Fresno saw what they saw. Amon Ross St. Brown last week. They saw a couple other five star guys in USC. Really, nothing to prepare them for what they're going to be looking at <laughs> on the field against Minnesota this week. Uh, the future All Pros. Across the board, lining up. Um, oh man, I like. I'll I'll put it this: way. if Minnesota runs the ball ten percent better than they did last time, doesn't have any turnovers, um, they could they can win this game. I like they they did they beat Fresno last year? I think they did. Yeah. Um. So I mean, they 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 can win, but this this looks this looks like trouble. For the Gophers, um, just kind of looking nationally, a couple couple big games to kind of sink your teeth into uh, from a national standpoint. Um, obviously, you got Clemson and Texas A and M, uh, two thirty Central on rematch ABC. of last year's kind of re- yeah rematch of last year's like real wild one, um, except that it's at Clemson, and I don't think A and M is very good. 
A&M's ranked 12, so, you know, it's... I know. I do. I agree, though. I do think, like, Clemson is... This is where Clemson really kicks the tires and shows you yeah. how good they are right now. Well, and what everybody... Like, everybody's going to be hyping up last year's matchup and how A&M almost beat them. That was Trevor Lawrence's, what, first game in college? Um, maybe second. They, like, they needed Kelly Bryant to close that thing out. Clemson six games later was a dramatically different animal than they were in that matchup. And Clemson this year is a dramatically different animal than they were in that matchup. I, and I don't, I don't have it offhand, but I know from listening to a lot of other um, season previews and stuff like A&M lost a fair amount. And there's some questions about how good they're going to be. Um, the, the other big one that really jumps out is the LSU Texas game. Is Texas back? I am not a subscriber to that. I think that I kind of feel like Sam Ellinger is about to get a wake up call. That's that's my read on this one. I think LSU is is especially that defense is going to be like, all right, Texas, this is what it's really like. So after finding out from the Whistles podcast that Joe Burrow was high school teammates with Trey Williams um, in Southeast Ohio. Uh, and for all the other reasons that I love the state of Louisiana and our buddy Chris from the Winning Cures Everything's podcast, like I, I love LSU. I've always kind of enjoyed them. Um, I always enjoyed the Les Miles mania there. I think Ed Ogeron is amazing, and like I'm all I'm all in on on the Tigers to to uh, to be great. And I'll be I'll, I'll be rooting for them in this game. I don't know if they'll win. I know Texas doesn't have much of a home field advantage, so. Consider this a neutral site. I don't know. Well, LSU, hey, LSU, LSU, LSU fans are, travel. They're they're gonna. I mean, it's not, it's not a very far uh, trip from Baton Rouge to Austin. Well, they'll hey, t- they'll tailgate the shit out of that place. Hey, Texas is already look. They haven't even lost to Maryland yet this year. They're already <laughs> just play, they're playing with house money. Oh, I love it. Any other games jump out at you for this weekend? Nah, Nevada, fresh off their win over, yeah. over Purdue, has to host or has to go to Oregon. Yikes! Take sixty-yard field goals just all day. In Angry game. Oregon, and then well, here. So here's an interesting one. I, I won't. I mean, I'll if I won't probably won't stay up for any of them, but um, I definitely won't stay up for this either. But Stanford goes to USC. Yeah, I'll kick the crap out of them, Stanford. Make I, us look a little bit better here. Well, and if if you know now USC's got. QB problems. There were lots of questions about their defense and their depth and yada, 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 the coaching staff, et cetera. Like, um, again, I, I was quite impressed with that Stanford team relative to what we were expecting. And everybody in the PAC 12 is going to have trouble covering their receivers. Um, again, whether or not, whether or not, um, Mills, their backup QB, who ironically was, was the top recruit, the top QB recruit the year that Hunter Johnson was number two um, by, by some estimations I thought that was wild. I didn't realize they were the same class until that came up during the broadcast of our game. But anyways, like if he's playing or if Costello's playing, it's probably a real, real different game, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm also a little interested in the uh, Miami, North Carolina game, just, you know, passing interest. See if North Carolina can keep that going from their big win over South Carolina. See if Miami can turn it around from that uh, just terribly played a week zero game against Florida. It's going to hurt me a lot if Mac Brown's a good coach still. Sure. Sure. Uh, Anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? 
just if whoever's with, if anybody is still with us here who's who's you know not convinced by our takes yet on on Northwestern, like the future is bright, y'all. Yeah, the again, future is bright. It is. It's rest up. You know, we'll be back with you next week to to really talk more UNLV. Um, and and yeah, uh, you got to look not at how the game went. Look at what we've got and look at what we can be. And there's there's a lot to play for here. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And give us an email, uh, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.